We're a thousand miles from comfort. We have traveled land and sea. But as long as you are with me, there's no place I'd rather be. This is your time to lit up with Angela Breidenbach. Lit Up is lighting up the literary world with book reviews, in-depth expert interviews, and ideas for you to design a lucrative writing career. Expand your imagination to enhance your life. Lit Up is always family-friendly, always good for your heart. Now, here is your host to Lit Up, Angela Breidenbach. Hi, everybody. This is Angela Breidenbach, and welcome to Lit Up. I am so glad to have with me my guest today, and his name is Craig Von Busick. He works with the Inspiration Network, and he has a wonderful book out with the story about Harry S. Truman. I cannot wait to hear. But I wanted to tell you a little bit about him. He is Dr. Craig Von Busick, and he's a published author, and he's a writer at the Inspiration Network near Charlotte, North Carolina. He does a lot of contributive writing, including CBN, Immortal Life Magazine, and Generals.org. He's also a regular guest on Live the Promise with Susie Larson. He holds a Doctor of Ministry and an MA in Religious Journalism from Regent University. And I think we're going to hear a lot more about Craig as we're in this interview. So I want to get right to it. Welcome, Craig. Thank you, Angela. It's a pleasure to be with you again. Well, and thank you. We've we've been working hard to get you on the show, haven't we? <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm glad that we worked it out. Woohoo! So tell us, what is the Inspiration Network and what do you do there? Well, the Inspiration Network has been uh, around for many, many years. And uh, many people will be familiar with uh, our television network, which is INSP, which is on many different television cable stations and satellites, but we also have Inspiration Television, uh, which is more ministry-focused, and that is available uh, around the world in uh, many, many different countries, and then also our website uh, is available for people uh, to find uh, inspiration, and it's called inspiration.org, inspiration.org, and so I'm working uh, more on the ministry side. Uh, with Inspiration.org, with Inspiration Television, and Inspiration Ministries as a writer. Oh, wow. What kinds of things do you write for them? Uh, whatever they <laughs> assign. <laughs> all, all of the above. Uh, so I've written articles for the website, uh, you know, teaching articles, articles on finance, articles on family, articles on, uh, you know, how to read and interpret the Bible, uh, and then I do all kinds of different letters and magazine articles and brochures and whatever it is that they need me to do. Oh, that's really cool. Now, are they somewhere, is this a station on TV that you can get on cable or is it something that you get um, through satellite? Uh, all of the above. Now, INSP is actually one of the larger cable networks in America. And mm-hmm. then Inspiration Ministries uh, is not available on cable or satellite in the United States, but it is in the UK and Australia and many other countries around the world. But you can watch the programming on Roku, for example, on Amazon Prime. Uh, just look for Inspiration TV. And uh, it's also, of course, available through the website, inspiration.org. I am so glad you just told me that because my husband and I just cut cable a couple of weeks ago. And worse, we bought a Roku. Yeah. So we're trying to figure out um, what we can watch through Roku. And now I have something to look up. (laughs) (laughs) Well, good. I'm glad that we can be part of that discovery process. That is, no, I'm serious. That's really, really cool because we like um, family-friendly programming. Um, Tell me a little bit more about what kinds of shows and things we could find on there. Well, on Inspiration Ministry, uh, there's all kind or Inspiration TV, I should say. There's all kinds of ministry programming. There's family-friendly movies, uh, and then there's great children's programming. Uh, you know, on Saturday morning and so forth, uh, from a more biblical Judeo-Christian viewpoint, and very family-friendly. So it is a, it's the kind of network where there's kind of something for anyone from uh, birth 
uh, as they say, from birth to earth, right? <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. That's really, really cool. So you've you've been there a short time. Tell us what you did prior to arriving at your new position. Oh my! How do how much time do we have? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, well, let me just give you the very short version. Uh, back in the, uh, well, early, early part of my ministry, I traveled for six years with a Christian rock band, and we did evangelism. It was called Insight, and we traveled throughout the Northeast United States, and we saw thousands of young people uh, come to our concerts, and many of them accepted Jesus as Lord, and it's really cool to see many of them are still serving the Lord. It's fun to reconnect with people on Facebook who came to our concerts and they, if you go to my Facebook page, you'll see at the top a picture actually from our old insight days that we didn't even know about. And somebody emailed it to us. And uh, so it's kind of fun to, to go back to those days, but that was the beginning of it all. And that was where the Lord really spoke to my heart about the, um, the call on my life to minister through media. And so I've told people that I've already always had kind of one foot in the media, or if wagon wheel, we'll use that metaphor, one wagon wheel in the media side and one wagon wheel in the ministry side, and I've gone back and forth between those two. So I did uh, this traveling evangelism, and that we created a 501c3 nonprofit organization that ended up uh, doing different kind of arts and media evangelism projects for 25 years. So we did a 30-minute film that was co-sponsored by CBN Worldreach, and that was dubbed into languages and shown all over the world. Wow. Did, what was the name did, of that? It was called The Window, and you could still order it online. And, um, and then there, are, you know, there were other projects that we did. We did a traveling uh, theatrical musical and, and just different things that uh, were media-oriented. So then I spent uh, some time as an associate pastor in the local church, and then after a while, I started to really feel that I needed to solidify my training. And so I went to Regent University in Virginia Beach, and I actually did a joint degree uh, between divinity and journalism. Again, one wagon wheel on one side and the other, other on the other side. I remember I started out actually uh, just doing divinity and ministry, thinking I was going to be a pastor. But the Lord kept really touching my heart, saying, don't forget about the media. And so... I uh, heard about this class called The Craft of Good Writing, and it was in the communication school, and it was taught by a guy named Bob Slosser. Now, Bob Slosser had been the Washington bureau chief for the New York Times uh, during Watergate, and then he got saved, and he came to CBN, and he helped start CBN News. He became the president of Regent University, and by the time I got there, he was having some health problems, but he was still teaching this class, The Craft of Good Writing. So I wanted to get in on that class, and I went over there as a divinity student, and the faculty secretary literally laughed in my face, Angela, and said, really? you, there's no way you're going to get into this class. He limits it to 15 people, and all of the comm students want to take the class, so I'm sorry. And I said, well, you know, I, I kind of had a little bit of, of background in faith and understanding faith, and so <laughs> I, I said, uh, put my name on the list. And let's see what God wants to do. And she kind of snickered, okay. So a week later, I get a call from her, and she said, I don't know what happened, but you got in the class. And <laughs> uh, I found out later that what happened is they scheduled a class that was required for graduation at the same time that this class was on. And this was before the online classes were available. And so all these students who wanted to graduate couldn't take this class. They had to take the other class, and I got in. And wow. Yeah, during that time, Bob kept really hitting on this whole message of make media your ministry, make writing your ministry. Don't just look at it as something you do for a job or even as a hobby, but make it your ministry. And man, that was hitting my heart, pounding at my heart. So I looked into it and I found out that they allowed this joint degree where you did a year and a half of divinity and a year and a half of journalism. And so I went and talked to Bob about it. And said, I'm thinking of doing this because I've been in divinity thinking I was going to be a pastor. But, you know, this whole thing about media keeps hitting my heart. And he said something to me that I'll never forget. He said, you know, Craig, there are a lot of right thinking pastors out there, meaning they think from a biblical perspective. There are a lot of right thinking Bible school teachers and missionaries out there. He said, but there are not a lot of right thinking writers, 
journalists, and media professionals. And so if God has put this on your heart, then I want to get behind it 100%. And so I made the switch, and I did a joint degree. And before I even graduated through Bob, I was able to get a job at CBN, the Christian Broadcasting Network, as a writer uh, doing direct marketing. And then within two years, I was hired as the spiritual life producer for CBN.com. And with a wonderful team there, we built the Spiritual Life Channel. So if you go to CBN.com, that Spiritual Life Channel, a lot of what is there, I had uh, built with this team over many, many years. Ended up staying there with CBN.com for 12 years, became the uh, director of programming for a couple of years, and then ended up my time there for several years as the director of ministries, where along with the team, I helped to oversee the uh, online discipleship and online evangelism. And during that time, I got my doctorate of ministry and was able to do my dissertation on effective Internet evangelism. And then I took that and turned that into a book for Broadman and Holman called Netcasters, Using the Internet to Make Fishers of Men. Nice. That was one of my five books. I have a couple other teaching books. And then my most recent for myself uh, was a narrative biography called uh, nobody knows, which is the life story of one of America's first great African American composers, Harry T. Burley, who more than anybody else made the Negro spirituals known to the world and influenced Antonin Dvorak in writing the New World Symphony. So um, that was my last book. But lately, I've been working on a couple other. I did a ghost writing project. Uh, I have just put the finishing touches on a screenplay about a survivor of the Holocaust. And, oh, love it. Yeah, we've got uh, some interest there, so we'll hopefully be making some announcements about that soon. And then uh, the most recent thing that I did was the book that you mentioned. I just finished, uh, still doing a little bit of tweaking on it, but pretty much close to finishing a book that uh, my agent is pitching right now, and its working title is I Am Cyrus, Harry S. Truman, and the rebirth of Israel. And it tells the story. We'll be right back after yes. this message and we'll hear about that story. Right after this. We often ask, is that all there is? Why is this happening to me? Why am I always broke? How am I going to survive this mess? Then join Dr. Geraldine Tegeloff for Nature Spirit Speak, 7 p.m. Tuesday evenings on toginet.com. Geraldine is a metaphysician, nature intuitive, and prosperity coach who shares with you how she went from totally broke to living what she would call her perfectly prosperous life. Through the combination of a wealth of metaphysical knowledge and her amazing ability as an intuitive, Geraldine brings to you the secrets of her magical journey of healing emotionally, spiritually, and financially. As with the ancient seers and master teachers, Geraldine has a unique gift of being able to connect to the simple yet profound messages brought to us by Mother Nature and happily shares these through today's note to self on her webpage, naturespiritspeak.com. If you need help with your journey, why not connect with Geraldine during her show, Nature Spirit Speak, Tuesdays at 7 p.m. Central on toginet.com. Have you heard? The pages of American Patchwork and Quilting magazine come to life on our new weekly online radio show, American Patchwork and Quilting. Join Pat Sloan, our blogging and quilt designer host, as she talks about the latest trends, ideas, and inspirations. Her guests include quilt pattern designers, authors, quilt shop owners, and our editors, all quilters just like you. Call in with your questions. Get quilting tips from industry experts. Learn about free patterns. Hear behind-the-scenes stories from our magazines, American Patchwork and Quilting, Quilt Sampler, and Quilts and More. Get the scoop on free stuff and find out more about the best independent quilt shops in North America. To listen to a live show, tune in Monday at 4 p.m. Eastern. Just log on to allpeoplequilt.com slash radio. To hear past shows, go to iTunes and search for American Patchwork and Quilting Radio. We hope you'll join us because we know that quilting changes everything. We're glad you're back for more Lit Up. Now here's your host, Angela Breidenbach. I am so excited to have Mr. Craig Von Busick with me today. And he is a doctor. And this is a fun thing to start to hear about is all of the knowledge he has to share with us. And the book that he was just talking about, 
uh, has just a lot of great history and information about it. So we're going to go right back into understanding what that story is about. So would you go ahead and take it away, Craig? <laughs> sure. Thanks, Angela. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, many, many years ago, back in the late 80s, a friend of mine gave me a cassette tape from a group called Friends of Israel. And in that tape, I learned this story for the first time. And the story is that before World War One, Harry Truman worked as a bank clerk in downtown Kansas City. And he met this young man who was younger than him, who worked as a clerk in a in like a clothing store and uh, mercantile down the street. Mm-hmm. His name was Eddie Jacobson, and they just became friends, knowing each other at the bank and the store. And then they both went into the Army, and back in those days, everybody from a town would stay together during basic training. And so they went off to this basic training in Oklahoma, and because Harry was a little bit older than everyone else, and because he had some business training, he was uh, tasked by the Army to start a canteen, a little store that sold things like soda pop and and candy and, you know, hairspray or whatever it is, all the little things that the Army doesn't give you but that you want to have. Right. And this was a large training base, and so there were several of these canteens throughout the training base, but Harry was running one of them. And what he heard right off the bat was that all these other training or all these other canteens were having financial problems, and some of them even had gone out of business. They went bankrupt. And Harry said that would be a big mistake how can I avoid this? And he remembered his friend, Eddie Jacobson. He said, you know, Eddie has run a store before or worked in a store. Let's see if he has any ideas. He brought Eddie in and Eddie said, well, we need cash flow. That's the problem. When they have a bad day, they run out of cash and then they're bankrupt and they go out of business. He said, let's borrow uh, a dollar from everybody that we can find. And then we will promise to pay it back with a dividend. So they did that and everybody chipped in their dollar and so whenever there was a downturn, uh, Eddie and, and uh, Harry had plenty of money, and they ended up being very successful, actually turning a profit and paying everybody back a dividend. Well, this got the attention of the officers, and it ended up giving Harry Truman a promotion, and he became Captain Harry Truman. And wow. that, that set him on the course to his political career down the road. But in the meantime, after the war, they got back and Harry said to Eddie, you know, we have did so well with our little canteen. Why don't we start our own store in Kansas City, which they did after the war, after World War One. First couple of years, it did very well. But wait, wait, what was the name of the store? Uh, Truman and Jacobson. Oh, my gosh. So and, what you're telling me is that Truman actually started as a bootstrap merchant. Yes, he. They called him back then a haberdasher. They had a men, they had a men's clothing store, and they sold. Uh, they called them gents furnishings. And so, it, you know, I mean, you think of this as nineteen twenty. You know, I mean, this was almost a hundred years ago. And so, you look at some of these pictures, and it's actually very quaint and very cool. Um, and so, they did well the first couple of years, but then there's always a post-war recession. That kicks mm-hmm. in, uh, you know, the com- the government, the country is going from a wartime economy back to a peacetime economy, and that hit them, and it hit the farmers in Kansas City very hard, and so unfortunately, Harry and Eddie went out of business. Now, Harry always had this idea of being a politician. His dad had worked with the Democratic Party, and so he had followed in his father's footsteps. You know, they were small time. Uh, at that time, but they were very passionate about it. And so Harry said, I can't go bankrupt because I'll never be elected. But Eddie, he couldn't take the pressure. And so he ended up declaring bankruptcy. But Harry and Eddie, over the next 15 years, paid back every penny of what they owed, even though they didn't have to uh, because of the bankruptcy. And so they took that time and they remained friends over all those years. At the same time, Harry started as a local circuit, kind of like a county commissioner kind of guy, and he moved up the ladder in his political career until he was elected senator, and then during World War II, because of his training in World War I as a captain, he started seeing this corruption going on between the industrial complex and the government, which we still see to this day. Yes, And Harry Harry Truman said, this has got to stop. We're trying to fight 
the Nazis, we're trying to fight the, the Japanese imperialists. Uh, this has got to stop. So he took it upon himself in his own car with his own gas to drive around unannounced to these different military uh, industrial installations, and he would do spot inspections. Wow. <laughs> and he caught them red-handed with all kinds of waste and corruption. He brought that back to the Senate, and he proposed a committee to oversee this. Well, at first, Roosevelt was like, I don't like this idea at all. We don't want the Congress snooping in all these things. And they said, listen, if we don't have a friend in this, eventually we're going to have foes in it who are going to set up the same thing. It's better to have a friend. And Roosevelt said, yeah, that's a good idea. I think we should do that. And so they set up this committee, and it ended up being known as the Truman Committee, and they saved the government millions and millions of dollars in waste. And as a result, Harry Truman got on Time Magazine as one of the most powerful men in Washington, which then brought him to the attention of the Democratic Party in 1944 because Roosevelt was running for re-election, not because he wanted to. He was an old man, and he was very, very sick. I mean, he had heart Mm -hmm. disease. He was dying. And anybody who was close to him knew he was dying, including the heads of the Democratic Party. And so when they chose Truman, they knew that they were not just choosing a vice president. They were choosing most likely the next president of the United States. And so Mm. that was how Harry Truman rose from a farmer and a failed businessman to become the vice president. And then within only three months after becoming vice president, he became president when President Roosevelt died in Georgia. And so on his shoulders were all kinds of very important decisions, including should we drop the atomic bomb and so on and so forth. But one of the most important decisions was what do we do with Palestine? And uh, what do we do with the promise to the Jews? Because during World War I, the British government made what was called the Balfour Declaration. Um, This was a declaration from the foreign minister, Balfour, uh, with the blessing of the the government, uh, the prime minister and, and so forth, to the Jewish people saying, we look with favor, his majesty's government looks with favor, upon the establishment of a national home for the Jews in Palestine. The original agreement, which was hammered out by a guy named Heim Wiseman, who was one of the key Zionist leaders, he hammered out this agreement with not only the British government, but he also went and met with many of the Arabs in the Arab world to say, listen, you know, this was our homeland for uh, you know, several thousand years. We were pushed out by the Romans. We were kept out for 2,000 years. And our heart, every Passover, every year, they would end the Seder meal by saying, next year in Jerusalem. They were attached and are attached to the land of promise that God gave to them. So he went and he met with some of the key Arab leaders and he hammered out this agreement. And originally, after World War One. The agreement was ratified between Haim Wiseman and King Abdullah, who became the first king of Iraq, and they made an agreement on behalf of all the Arabs saying, yes, we welcome the Jews back to Palestine. And the original agreement, which people don't realize, was for all of what is now not only the nation of Israel, the quote-unquote Palestinian territories, which really is not a historical fact, and all of what is now Jordan. That was all promised to the Jews after World War One, and it was ratified by the League of Nations. That's something wow. that everybody forgets. Yeah, and, a lot of our history seems to be um, being being painted over. Well, exactly and we don't right. know it anymore. Exactly right. Now, what happened is that uh, Abdullah was given Syria by the English, But the French didn't like that because the French had been in in Syria for a long, long time. So the French deposed Abdullah and took over Syria. So the French were running Syria. Well, now the English have an upset uh, deposed king and his upset brother who happened to have an army. And his brother uh, was getting ready to attack the French. And the British, Winston Churchill, stood, stood in and said, listen, let's see what we can do. So they said, okay, Abdullah, instead of Syria, we're going to give you Iraq. And Abdullah said, that's fine. So then his brother, uh, they gave him this territory. They split the uh, land of Palestine, which, by the way, was never a country. It was a state within the Ottoman Empire. 
Okay, people oh. need to understand that it was a state or a province. It was never a country. Okay, there's never been a Palestinian state. There's never been a Palestinian country. It was called Palestine, and it was a state in the Ottoman Empire. And so the British, under Winston Churchill, he said, "We will give you the Arabs and this this king, uh, Abdullah's brother. We will give you the western, or the I'm sorry, the eastern side of the Jordan." And so they said, that's fine, we'll take it. And we'll call it Transjordan, which means everything across the Jordan. So the agreement was everything across the Jordan, Transjordan, was given to the Arabs. And everything to the west, the West Bank, everything mm -hmm. on the western side was given to the Jews for the rebirth of Israel. Well, long, long story, which you can read when the book comes out. Absolutely. Yeah, we have one minute till break. So Yeah, um, but that's how it all happened. And unfortunately, it could have all been very peaceful from the very beginning. But unfortunately, it has not been. But people need to understand the history to know what's going on today. And then they can understand why it's so important to understand the history and the people and what happened and that may help to bring back a sense of balance within even the U.S. of what's happening over in the with the Palestinian and the Israeli people. Oh, my goodness. Craig, now we have to go into a break. Tell us, where can we find you online? VonBusick.com. It's very simple. Just my last name, V-O-N-B-U-S-E-C-K.com. Thank you. And my name is Angela Breidenbach, and you can find me at AngelaBreidenbach.com, B-R-E-I-D-E-N-B-A-C-H. And on any social media, we just shorten that old first name. It's Ange Breidenbach, A-N-G-B-R-E-I-D-E-N-B-A-C-H. And we will be right back with you after this word. It's the Fitness Minute with fitness expert, Annette Hammond. We all know how important it is to drink water throughout the day. It is especially crucial when the temperatures are high and it is oh so hot. Drinking water is also a significant element in weight loss. Why is that? Water, like food, takes up room in your stomach and it curbs your appetite. According to Eat This, Not That, a study was conducted by the American Chemical Society. They found that dieters who ate low-calorie foods, who drank two cups of water, which is 16 ounces, lost nearly five more pounds in 12 weeks than dieters who did not consume that much water. Drinking water gives you a feeling of fullness, so when you eat, you eat less. Drinking eight glasses of water a day aids in weight loss and has innumerable benefits. For the Fitness Minute, I'm Annette Hammond. To hear other fitness and weight loss tips, visit our website at AnnetteHammond.com. The Way of the Toddler with hosts Lita and Lori Hamilton is a show unlike any other parenting program you've ever heard. Zen Masters in Diapers? Yes. Join us Tuesday afternoons at 5, 4 Central here on Toginet as we celebrate parenthood as a spiritual path for a journey to inner peace. With thought-provoking and spiritually compelling guests, each week Lita and Lori will explore how our children help us with the lessons we came here to learn, adding deeper meaning to our lives and relationships while giving you valuable gems to add to your unique parenting toolkit. Check out the website, thewayofthetoddler.com. With great humor and honesty, Lita and Lori will demonstrate how inner peace is possible, even when surrounded by poopy divers and piles of laundry, and what we can learn from the innate wisdom and natural spirituality of our Zen masters and diapers. It's The Way of the Toddler with Lita and Lori Hamilton, Tuesday afternoons at 5, 4 Central, here on toginet.com. We're glad you're back for more Lit Up. Now here's your host, Angela Breidenbach. Well, thank you for being with us. And this is an absolutely fascinating episode with Dr. Craig Von Busick. We are having a fabulous time learning about the history of how Harry S. Truman helped with the rebirth of Israel. And I hope that you will listen to the show very closely so that you can understand what the history was and why some of this um, battle that's going on doesn't even need to be there today. So, um, Craig, what else would you like to tell us about your, your book or this story that's coming out? 
Well, just to wrap things up, you know, a lot of people uh, who don't really have a full view of the history, and there are a lot of people who are listening to this who might think, you know, they listen to these people saying that what's happening with the Palestinians is apartheid and so on and so forth. They just simply don't understand the history. And I'll give, I'll give you a couple of things to help people. There mm-hmm. are 22 Arab nations, 22. There is one Jewish nation. And that one Jewish nation is the size of our one state called New Jersey. Now, think mm-hmm. of 22 nations as opposed to New Jersey. Okay, mm-hmm. and, and they're asking for the Jews to even give up a huge part of New Jersey. <laughs> and it wow. just, when you think of it in those terms, as opposed to 22 nations that go from North Africa all the way over to Iraq, from the top of Syria where Turkey is, all the way down into Saharan, sub-Saharan Africa, and then you think of New Jersey, it gives you a little bit of perspective here. Mm-hmm. And you can see why that the world body, uh, both in the League of Nations after World War One, and then the UN after World War Two, they recognized that the Jews needed to have their own homeland. And uh, the same thing happened with the Turks and the Armenians. And um, there were many other nations. Italy. Italy is another example uh, before World War One, where Italy was given its own homeland, its own nation. And so there are people groups who require their own nation. And that's what took place with the Balfour Declaration, the promise of the homeland after World War One. And then it was all muddled. And you could read it in the book by the mm-hmm. British and the British, sadly, you know, British colonialism, they made huge mistakes in India, in South Africa, and certainly in Palestine. And uh, they muddled things up pretty bad to the point where uh, it looked like the Jews would lose everything. But then, sadly, it was the Holocaust during World War II uh, that gave sympathy to the world to say, you know, we can't really allow this people to travel all over the world and not be able to defend themselves against something like this. They need their own nation with its own borders, with its own army and weapons so that they can defend themselves and be a people. And that's what happened. And that was the decision that Harry Truman had to make. Now, remember, the uh, the historical context was the Cold War. And so Mm -hmm. the Soviets were trying to get in there and they were trying to really cause a problem. And the British... Uh, were weak. They had really lost a lot of their power during World War II. And so the United States was this leading nation, leading the the free world. And so people like General Marshall, we know the Marshall Plan after World War II. Well, he was now Secretary of State under Harry S. Truman. And Marshall and other key advisors in the State Department, they all said, we cannot make the Arabs angry. We need Arab oil because we might be fighting the Soviet Union in World War III. And so this is what they were telling Truman. But see, Truman had read through the Bible several uh, several times before he was even a teenager. He had really? read it several times, um, and he had read many, many books of history. He was a probably uh, an expert more than almost any other president we have ever had, and there was a reason for that. Harry Truman had terrible eyesight, and when he was a little boy, he was almost blind in one eye. And so he wow. was given these, you know, kind of Coke bottle glasses. And if you ever see pictures of him, he has these huge eyes uh, yeah. because they were magnified by the glasses. And so he was not allowed to play sports growing up. His mom said, those glasses are too expensive. You've got to stay away. <laughs> and so instead, he became a big fan of history and he loved the Bible. Wow. And it prepared him for then down the road, when it came for this decision, he knew the history of the region. He knew the history of the Bible. He knew the places in Palestine better than some of the places uh, in Europe that they were fighting World War II in. And so he knew what was going on with the big picture, but he was still under tremendous pressure to, uh, to not declare and not recognize Israel. But then his good buddy called him, his old business partner, Eddie Jacobson who nice. was a Jew. Eddie Jacobson was a Jew. And he came to him and said, Harry, you know what my people have suffered in the Holocaust. And you know what the right thing is to do. And Harry's like, I've heard it from everybody. I don't need to talk to anybody else. And just, I wish people would stop bothering me. And mm-hmm. Eddie said, 
Harry, this doesn't sound like you. I know you well. And he saw a little bust, a little statue of Andrew Jackson on his desk. He said, you know, all our lives you told me about your hero, Andrew Jackson. He said, do you know who my hero is, Harry? And Harry was like, no, who's your hero? He said, my hero is Heim Wiseman. And he's trying to come and talk to you about doing the right thing for the Jews in Palestine. And you won't let him come talk to you. That's not like you, Harry. <laughs> and Harry wow. turned around and looked out the, the Rose Garden window for a while and turned back and said, okay, you bald-headed so-and-so, go ahead and set up the meeting. And so they did, and Wiseman came in. And uh, it wasn't the only thing that convinced Harry, but it was certainly one of the tipping points. And Harry promised Wiseman in that meeting, I'm going to recognize Israel. And that's what he did. And so the United States became the first country, only minutes after Israel became a nation, Harry Truman issued his famous proclamation recognizing the nation of Israel. And then uh, right after he, was, he left office in, uh, in 1953, he was invited to speak at the Jewish Theological Seminary in New York City, and his buddy Eddie Jacobson was asked to introduce him. And and uh, Eddie Jacobson said to his fellow Jews in this theological seminary, I want to introduce my friend Harry Truman, who was part of uh, the rebirth of the nation of Israel. And they all clapped, and Harry got up and turned to Eddie, and he said, what do you mean part of? He said, I am Cyrus. And everybody laughed and applauded, because <laughs> Harry Truman understood uh, the connection between Cyrus of Persia sending the Jews back to create their homeland again, and what mm -hmm. he did as President of the United States to recognize and help to protect the very early stages of the rebirth of Israel, which was no, by no means a guarantee. I mean, the day that they declared themselves a nation in May of 1948, David Ben-Gurion st stood up in Tel Aviv in the Tel Aviv Museum and said, we are now a, a state, the state of Israel. And the next, that night, even, the Egyptians started bombing from the air and several different Arab countries all invaded and it took them almost a year to fight the Arabs back and actually gain on the ground what they had declared. But it happened, wow. and we have the nation of Israel today. Now, how fascinating that he actually knew the correlation of I am Cyrus. I mean, I've read that biblical story. I understand what you're saying. Do you use that in this book in order to uh, show, do you parallel that? Well, actually, it's the title. <laughs> I know it's the title, yeah. but I mean... Do you actually parallel through the book um, what Cyrus did, what, you know, uh, as as what Harry did? I mean, are you did you do you actually parallel that through the book? Uh, well, this is a historical uh, biography. And mm -hmm. so I don't do a lot of theology until the very last chapter. And what happened is the year after. And actually, I don't even think it was a year within the year of Harry recognizing Israel, the chief rabbi of Israel came to the White House and he gave Harry a gift and he said, just like Esther of old, you were born for such a time as this. And Harry had oh, tears beautiful. in his eyes. Oh, yeah. He got, he got up and he walked over to the rabbi. He said, do you really believe that? And the rabbi said to him, Harry, just like Cyrus was there to help Israel in years gone by in ancient Israel, you were put in this place. You were born and put in this place to help us to gain our nation again. And Harry actually started to weep. And oh. uh, and so when he got up and said, I am Cyrus, he really believed it. You know, I think that's something that we, I think a lot of people need to read this book. Um, I really want you to tell me when it comes out so that I can help you promote it. Because I think People need to read this book, not just to read about history, not just to understand who Harry S. Truman was and his part in the rebirth of Israel, but because each of us is here for such a time as this. Each of us is here for the calling that's on our life. And sometimes it's easier to see what someone else has done and how they are called because that's somehow the way that God speaks to us and calls us. Now, are we supposed to rebirth Israel? Maybe, maybe not. Maybe we're supposed to do something as I'm doing a radio show here and now, and we're helping to educate the American people on the history and why this is so important. Maybe you were supposed to write the book, I Am Cyrus, Harry S. Truman and the Rebirth of Israel, because we need to re-educate people. You remember when they did go back and rebuild 
um, the Jerusalem uh, that the people had been away from their their history and their faith for so long they didn't even know what what, what their faith was. Yeah. And they had to have somebody stand up and read it to them. Yes. They had to be reminded. Exactly. How incredible right. that your book is coming out as a reminder that now it can be read to the people. Well, and and when we look I, at the situation in Israel today, um, it is it's amazing because in some ways it's glorious. It's absolutely incredible. Israel is leading the world for just one one example. They're leading the world in these. Uh, computer-driven cars. They're the ones who have come up with this technology, and the rest of the world is getting on board, literally, uh, with this. That's just one of many, many things. Uh, And throughout uh, the world, there's all kinds of ways that Israel is being a blessing to the nations of the world, uh, especially leading in technology. But also, you know, environmentalism is a big part of our world today and a big part of what people are interested in, and people don't realize that more than anywhere else, except for maybe Holland, uh, more than anywhere else, Israel has led the way in literally, as the Bible says and prophesied, turning the desert into a blooming land of milk and honey again. Wow. And I've, I've been there, and I've seen places that were rock-covered, uh, stone-covered deserts with nothing. They, there were malarial swamps. And that's one of the things that I do in the book, is I go back to the 1800s, when, and I quote Mark Twain from Innocence Abroad when he was there in Israel. He said, nobody's here, and it's a dead land. It doesn't look anything like what the Bible describes. And yet within less than 100 years, they turned it around to where they got rid of all the rocks. They irrigated the deserts. They got rid of the malarial swamps. They drained them. They redid. They moved things around. And now it is flourishing with life. And so there's so many things that are wonderful. But at the, on the other hand, you've got ISIS literally on the border in Syria. Uh, mm-hmm. You've got uh, Hezbollah and, and the Iranians saying that they're going to drive Israel into the sea and that Israel doesn't have a right to exist. And so people really need to understand what happened and what took place in all of the history so that they have a better idea of what's happening, because I can tell you this, the media today, they're not telling the true story and they're not telling the full story. No, they're when, not. I, when I say the media, I mean liberal media. I know. <laughs> there, are, there are people in, in the media who are telling this story, but as a whole, many of them don't even know it. And so that's one of the reasons that I wrote the book was to say, look at the whole story so that you tell the story truthfully with context. This makes such complete sense, and I am excited that we have the opportunity to do this. We are going to go into another break, and when we come back, I have some very specific questions for Dr. Craig Busick, Von Busick, because I want to know what he thinks of the current state of affairs and how we as an American people can actually help turn that around. So be ready for that when we come back right after this break. In the meantime, you can follow Dr. Craig Von Busick on Facebook at facebook.com slash Craig Von Busick, V-O-N-B as in boy, U-S as in sugar, E-C-K. And my name is Angela Breidenbach, and you can find me on Facebook at Ange Breidenbach. And we'll be right back after this. Don't go anywhere. After this. Get ready to live la bella vita with Dawn Catherine on Toginet.com. Live La Bella Vita. If you're wanting to know all the beauty tricks of the trade and the latest fashion trends before everyone else, this is your show. If you admire celebrities' beauty and their fashion sense, this is your show. Do you love wine and want to know more about the process it takes to make wine from the vine to the bottle? This is your show. Live La Bella Vita. For more on the show and your host, check out our website, labellavitacosmetico.com. This is the kind of show you can sink your teeth into. If you enjoy traveling and food and family, all with an Italian flair, then you can live La Bella Vita with your host, Dawn Catherine. Wednesday nights at midnight, 11 p.m. Central, on Toginet.com. 
Here comes Motherhood Talk Radio, the most powerful voice in women's issues today. With Sandra Beck and Christy Holly. Tuesday evenings at 6, 5 Central, on Togginet.com. Motherhood Talk Radio provides a powerful platform for women today by giving interesting, inspiring, and inspirational information to mothers around the globe as they navigate everything from child care to corporate formation. Motherhood Talk Radio will have best-selling authors, gurus of happiness, women of interest, who every single day make our world a better place for our families. Motherhood Talk Radio, powered by Motherhood Incorporated, is co-hosted by corporate executive Sandra Beck and stay-at-home mom Christy Holly. For more information on each and the show, go to MotherhoodTalkRadio.com. Mom, this really is your show. Motherhood Talk Radio with Sandra Beck and Christy Holly. Tuesday afternoons at 6, 5 Central on Tugginet.com. We're glad you're back for more Lit Up. Now here's your host, Angela Breidenbach. What a fantastic show we're having today, and I am so grateful that Dr. Craig Von Busick can be with us to help us understand the context, the history, and what's going on through the the state of Israel, the Palestinians, ISIS, all of this political stuff that's happening. And we, as an American people, have to be involved in understanding this history because History is where we get our context for why people are, what exists, where we go into the future. And if we bury our heads in the sand, we don't read wonderful stories like this, wonderful books that that go back and get the facts, then we are part of the problem. So people, rather than being part of the problem, let's become part of the solution. So Craig, tell us, what do you think the solution is today? Where do we go from here? Well, the solution is always truth. You know, uh, Milton spoke in Arapagetica, the great uh, book that he wrote, let ideas grapple in freedom and truth will always rise to the top. And that is why we need to not uh, try to silence uh, people who want to talk. That's why mm-hmm. our forefathers and mothers had the understanding that there needs to be freedom of speech. There needs to be freedom of the press because it's the fourth estate. What does that mean? Well, you have the executive branch, you've got the judicial branch, you've got the legislative branch of the government. But the fourth part of that is the people. The people Mm -hmm. need, in a representative democracy, and I believe in the world, they need to have the opportunity to know what the truth is and then express that truth and express their position. I think part of the problem that we've had is that there has been... Uh, you, you can call it what you will, fake news or spin mm-hmm. or whatever it may be. And the mm-hmm. reality is that we've gone from a place when I was, you and I were, were young where there were, you know, three networks and PBS. Yep, right? yep. And so that was it. <laughs> oh, now, my gosh, you had to get up to change the channel. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Adjust the rabbit ears. But mm-hmm. now there are thousands of different places where you can gain your information. Well, what is truth and what is, quote, unquote, fake news? Well, you and I, we need to recognize that our role as communicators is to find out the truth and put it out to the public in ways that they can grasp it, that they can take it in, that they can think about it, and that they can then express their truth. And so that is our role, and it's always the role in a representative democracy to protect expression, to protect gathering, as long as it's peaceful, as long as you're not looting and rioting and killing people. But if you're following the laws, then yes, we need to protect free speech. Even if we disagree with that free speech, we need to protect it. But we also, as thought leaders, which is what you and I are and others who listen to this show who are involved in literature lit up, right? Mm -hmm, That's right. We need to be putting out the truth. We need to go and do a great job of doing our research, finding out what the truth was, then crafting it, knowing our craft as writers and as communicators, as speakers, and then putting it out there in the most excellent way that we can so that the people can take it and then they can run with it, as the book of Habakkuk says. Well, if they didn't know what their faith was, what their history was, what the laws meant, what the agreements had been, how would they know how to run that city of old? 
And it's the same now. If we don't know what our history is, if we don't know what our real laws are, if we don't have a comprehension of other people's rights as well, how do we know how to run this country of ours? Absolutely. So I'm curious then, uh, do you feel like the United States is a friend of Israel? More now than ever. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, we can get into all kinds of political things, but honestly, um, there have been a lot of uh, people who are, you know, it's it's funny because I, I listen to different types of radio. And last night I was listening to this radio show and, and they were talking about President Trump's, uh, what he said at the U.N., and this particular commentary, uh, it was on National Public Radio, and mm-hmm. and the guy represents business and businessmen, and, and he said, you know, a lot of businessmen, they're internationalists, and they're a little concerned about Trump saying America first and, and da-da-da-da-da, he said, but then at the end of the day, they all kind of gather together and say, you know, but he's really right. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and, <laughs> and when it comes to Israel, uh, a lot of commentators are saying, you know what, I may be a little uncomfortable with how he says some of the things that he says, but what he's saying is dead on. And and what he's done uh, as president, he's done more for Israel just in his first six months uh, than anyone since uh, since Harry S. Truman. And, uh, and I think he's going to be a true friend to Israel. And I think uh, people are going to be surprised. Uh, what's going to happen over the next several uh, years, especially with regard to the peace process, because honestly, the two-state scenario doesn't work because it's breaking the original promise. And once you break a promise, you cause all sorts of havoc. Exactly right. And that's the thing people don't recognize, and I think there's an answer. There's an answer in Israel, and that is the answer that they originally came up with, and that is a Palestinian or a uh, an Arab Palestine, which is Jordan, and a Jewish Palestine, which is Israel. And you say, are you saying to get the Arabs out of Israel? Absolutely not. In fact, the Druze, Muslims, uh, they from the very beginning were uh, in favor of Israel. And so they fought alongside in all the different wars. They've been citizens, even though they're Muslims and not Jews. And because they were upstanding citizens, they have prospered like you wouldn't believe. Whereas mm. the Palestinians who fought it and said, we were going to, we're going to throw, even though they are in within the confines of the Western part that was promised to the Jews, we're going to throw the Jews into the sea. None of them have prospered unless they were corrupt. And so what needs to happen is there needs to be a shifting of the understanding and, and say to these Arabs who are on the Western side, you are on the, in the Jewish territory. And within the Jewish territory, you need to abide by the laws and you need to be upstanding citizens, just like the Druze and other Arabs. There are Arabs who are in the Knesset, you know, in Israel, because they're upstanding, they're following the laws and so forth. If you can do that, you can live here. And if you can't, well, you can go over to the Palestine or to the Arab Palestine, which is Jordan, or you can mm-hmm. go find another home, or you can go to jail. That's the answer, I believe. Is That's the way it is in every other country in the world. Every other country. Would we put up with bombs coming over from, you know, I grew up in Erie, Pennsylvania. Across the lake is is Ontario, Canada. Would America put up with bombs coming across Lake Erie and shelling Cleveland, Buffalo, and, and Erie? Absolutely no. not. And yet we're supposed to say, or the Jew, the Israelites or the Israelis are supposed to say, well, you know, they're bombing us every day with Katusha rockets, uh, Hezbollah, and and coming in from Lebanon and coming in from Egypt and coming in from the West Bank. And, and we just have to put up with it while our kids are getting blown up in the streets. Come on. So no. it's time for people to start speaking truthfully. And that's one of the things I appreciate about President Trump is that he calls a spade a spade. And it's time for us to do that worldwide. I have to agree with you. I think that it's it's one thing. So our personalities are all very different. And there may be things about uh, President Trump's personality that people don't particularly care for. But the fact that he is president, we need to respect. Exactly. And to me, um, I found it very interesting that you said that Harry Truman came up from being a merchant. And if you look back at a lot of our presidents, I think you're going to find that that is also the case. They had jobs. Yes, exactly right. Yeah. So I just thank you so much for being with us. Um, This is Dr. Craig Von Busick, who's been our guest today.
And it's just been amazing to hear about the story of President Harry Truman and the real history of what's going on with the Palestinian people and the Israeli people. Thank you so much for being with us. It has been my pleasure, Angela. Thank you, and God bless you for all that you do. Thank you. And we have a few minutes left in the show, so I want to tell friends a little bit more about uh, what we've been talking about. We have had, as our guest, um, Dr. Craig Von Busick, and he is a published author and writer at the Inspiration Network. And I have learned from him that we get to see the Inspiration Network on Roku TV. I'm very excited about that. But in addition, um, you can find out more about Craig's professional writing um, through CBN's Superbook Children's Video Series, uh, Charisma Magazine, the Israeli Bureau of Tourism, Nikki Cruz Ministries, the Christian Coalition, Regent University, and several other Christian magazines and organizations carry his writing. You can follow him on Twitter at Craig Von Busick. And um, you can also find him at the Christian Authors Network. He has a featured author page there at Craig Von Busick, as do I. And my name is Angela Breidenbach, and this is the show Lit Up. I hope that you'll listen to us again, and you can listen to past shows at um, the Lit Up page. You can go to toginet.com slash shows slash Lit Up, and you'll be able to listen to past shows And you'll also be able to um, find other things about inspiring you toward becoming the creative that you want to be. What message is it that was put inside your heart that needs to get out? Are you a painter? Are you a screenplay writer? Are you a novelist? Are you a musician? What is it that you were put on this earth to do for such a time as this? Just like Harry Truman. Just like Esther, we all have that calling on our hearts, on our lives. And it's up to you to bring that creativity to a honed perfection that you work your craft, you work your art so that you can be someone to bring the truth out to the world through the beauty of the creativity that God put inside of you. For me, I'm an author and a speaker and a radio show host. It's what I was put on earth to do. And you can tell because I like talking. (laughs) I like communicating. I love telling stories. What is it special about you that you like to do that helps you to tell your story? Whether it is through your art, whether it's through being a stand-up comedian, or whether it's through being the most amazing parent that you can be, I know that there is creativity inside of you that is waiting to get out. And that creativity is going to change somebody's life. So don't hide it. Don't put it under a bushel. Get it out there. Let your light shine. And listen to Lit Up so you can go back through and learn what you need to learn about honing your craft, honing your talent, honing your creativity, so that as you grow in your creativity, you can put it out there and change the world. That is what we're here to do. That is what our life is about, is changing the world, becoming the best that you can be, so that you can show the next generation the way, just like Craig is doing in his upcoming book that's called I Am Cyrus, Harry S. Truman, and the Rebirth of Israel. I hope also that he turns it into a screenplay, because would that not be the best movie ever? Would be to see how Harry S. Truman got his start and what things he had to battle against. We all have things to battle. We all have doubts. We all have pressures from the outside world. You still have to do what is right, what is good, what is worthy, what is true. So I hope that you will answer your calling and be the creative that you are meant to be. And I look forward to having you with us next time here on Lit Up with Angela Breidenbach. My name is spelled A-N-G-E-L-A. My last name is B-R-E-I-D-E-N-B-A-C-H. You can find me at AngelaBreidenbach.com. And you can find me at Ange Breidenbach on social media. And if you could do anything today, I ask you to look deep inside, find the specialness in you, and share it with the world. There is a real reason that you're here. Go forth and shine. Have a wonderful day, and we'll see you next time here on Lit Up. Thank you.
Thank you for joining us on Lit Up. Light up your literary world. Expand your imagination. Enhance your life. Lit Up will be back next week with another great conversation. Join us, won't you? Right here on Lit Up. I'd rather be